Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about classical education, classical books, and the intellectual movement sweeping the nation. <laughs> okay. Of Only classicism. Moderately. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, maybe not. Anyway. Maybe. I don't we know. are three guys who work at a classical school in Austin, Texas, called Veritas Academy. My name is Graham Donaldson, and I am joined with my classical brothers, uh, Mr. Arthur Jan Hannenberg. Me. And Mr. Thomas... Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Magby. Thomas Magby. Thomas Magby. Hello, Thomas Magby. Yeah. Hello Thomas. everyone. Um, I wish that there was something that I could do to make me forget that mm. terrible introduction. Mm. I feel like I've struggled through it, but I ultimately prevailed. And at the end of it, I achieved some sort of higher status. But wow. man, I just, I would like to move forward without having to think, remember it. Thomas, well, do is I there? have an answer for you? <laughs> this is all going to turn into an informal Come on down to the river left. River left, yeah, seriously. Is anyway, but we are talking about. Oh, I, one thing I should mention before we get into it: um, you can patronize us on Patreon, and if you want to hear uh, bonus episodes, and we do a monthly AMA, which this month was woof, like two and a half hours. Buckle up. Um, that's a good thing. It is a good thing. Okay. But we also do some bonus episodes in between where we maybe continue the conversation or just have conversations about things that are more maybe, I don't know, if they're contemporary in nature. Um, but it's less sort of in the um, this well-defined genre of podcasts. This, you this, got very um, aggressive. Why are you going to What am I aggressive? saying? We have, devo- we have <laughs> created yes. a patented nope. podcast formula uh, okay. that is working. Can you tell me what the formula is? Um, oh, AJ and I are goofy and we make you annoyed during your podcast. No. That's, yeah, I mean... <laughs> You're kind of onto something there. Uh, you anyway. can also find all of our quarantine episodes, which now are only uh, available oh yeah, on quarantine YouTube. Quarantine stuff you should know is there. And uh, I mean, and pay no attention to YouTube. <laughs> and uh, to this day, our quarantine yeah. stuff is the only podcast episode where we rated E, not for everyone, but for explicit. explicit yeah, because one of, AJ's of one of the sexy episodes. So good job, AJ. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of I've jealous. always wanted to have an explicitly I like, rated podcast. I like that I'm the guy that puts out the sexy episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good feeling. Um, so you can find us at Patreon. Just search for Classical Stuff You Should Know Patreon. And if you would like to be a member subscriber, that would be awesome. Cool. All right. Now that that is not at the end of the podcast, <laughs> but at the beginning, uh, maybe help us forget. Can I also give a shout out for our YouTube? Uh, we are, I think, literally one subscriber away from being able to edit like the URL of our <gasps> YouTube. So please oh, be that do it. person to be our next subscriber. That would really make my day. That If you search classical stuff, you'll find it. At some point soon, youtube.com slash classical stuff. But oh, today is roll. not that day. Today so. is not that day. <laughs> so please be that. It's still like X, Y, 7, it's an, till it's the random, exclamation part. Yeah, random string of letters and numbers. It's really obnoxious. So please be that last Capital person. A, lowercase <laughs> a, lowercase c, yeah. capital D. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh I got it wrong and then you have to like start from the beginning again it's really obnoxious so please be that one person that would really make my day okay uh, again Graham's making a reference that you won't understand until you listen to the whole episode and that's then part of the formula listen to yeah it is actually I guess break out of the formula man don't be a sheeple okay so I will be finishing up Dante's purgatory today um yeah the sign that this is going on very long is I think the last title was we're almost at the top so <laughs> I, I can tell how, how everyone is feeling about this so I will be going from Canto 28 to the end which is Canto 33 and that'll get us <laughs> through the river lath where we can forget all these episodes ever happened and then uh, you know a where we'll remember I don't know better episodes we've done before another reference you won't understand until the end of this podcast okay people who are Graham and AJ what where are we so far what's happened so far in this book? so we are in purgatory I okay. believe we've got to the last 
Nailed yeah. it. Nailed it. Yeah. We got to the last <laughs> level where we burned <laughs> away all of our lustful impurities. Yeah, that's true. By sitting in the burning fire and we had to pass through a wall of flame, right? Yep. And yeah, we Dante had to, did, and it hurt we, a lot, but he made it. Didn't we have to watch really like wholesome love stories? Like we had to watch like real Hallmark movies. Yeah. Well, well, the people who were in the circle of the lustful were like kissing each other on the cheek and like enjoying. You know, they were enjoying that, but not enjoying more than that. Yeah. They yeah. were enjoying. Yeah. Settle um, down there. Yeah. <laughs> they were enjoying like you know other people to the right level and not beyond that level. That's right. Like so. whoa, whoa, you lingered on my cheek a little too long, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. I'll yeah. earn you another you're, few years you're, here. You're, you're that down, actually kind of happens, Dante. Anyway, Dante kind of does that in the section that we'll read today. Whoops. But yeah, and they're like, hold it, hold on, Dante. <laughs> Yeah, back control up. yourself so and there and for pride you we had to like stare at the dirt uh-huh. right we had yeah. to fall on faces a big big stone on their back yeah we've, we've passed through a bunch of circles of purgatory the whole point of this place is to purge you of certain sins and so uh dante has made it through all of those at this point so we uh we finished up the seventh circle which was lust so we've passed through pride envy wrath sloth avarice gluttony lust if you want, so our previous episodes that are currently available, there's one that goes Avarice through Lust, which is the most recent one, literally last week for you all listening right now. And then there's one that covers Envy, Wrath, and Sloth, which is before that. The episode on Pride, you have to find on Patreon or on YouTube. And the one that covers the like antechamber, the like stuff before the Mountain of Purgatory is also now only on Patreon and YouTube. So check it out there if you so desire. This will be the very end. So we've passed beyond the seventh circle of Lust, and we are beyond it any guesses i guess you all have read purgatory before mm-hmm. correct? okay yeah so then you all actually know so where do we end up after we get out of the circle of the lustful in the garden of eden yeah so uh, the this is a earthly in paradise the garden of eden baby is that a song um in it's, the, it's in, in the garden of vita <laughs> oh okay um another name for it will be the terrestrial paradise mm. uh, so depending on you know translations so dante such. says that the garden of eden is still around does it have the flaming sword and the angel being like not uh uh i guess there Uh, are uh, 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 kind uh, of uh, didn't say the magic word (laughs) uh 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 isn't that from jurassic park it is from jurassic park so kind of we'll get into all the weird things that are here in just a second but uh canto 28 is our introduction to this earthly paradise which uh one thing it's visual humor like like this that makes me appreciate that we have a youtube channel so please check this out okay so (laughs) we're layered we're a layered podcast yeah yep um, so Dante gets to this earthly paradise at the very uh, top of all the circles of purgatory. And I just wanted to, I referenced this in our AMA that Patreon listeners just got, but uh, this answers a question from a few podcasts ago as to whether animals worship. And I'll just read this. They weren't blown a scatter on the spray. What is, is this about leaves? Yeah, I think it's about leaves. They weren't blown a scatter on the spray. So roughly that the little birds would cease to ply their art, but in the fullest joy sang matins from the crowns of all the trees, receiving from the rustling in the limbs, a whispered tenor to their melodies. So we got birds that are singing matins in the trees. Good so. for them. <laughs> so, so just to clear that d- one Now, up. is that only purgatory birds that are singing nope, praise songs all to birds God? And all birds. AJ was right and you're wrong. So suck Knew it. it. Okay. So, so when birds are singing yep, outside, if I'm walking around outside, yep. They singing, are singing, singing yep. to the Lord. Matins is one of the um, uh, liturgies of the hour, one of the daily office prayers. So I think. Wait, I, why am I wrong? Uh, because they're singing, they're worshiping God. Well, I said they didn't. Remember way back when we were talking about like. Do you remember when we talked about penguin marriage for 45 yeah, yeah. minutes? Penguin this was marriage. A part of that. I said yeah, that they were just saying like food, 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 food. <laughs> it wasn't about over birds here, specifically. Over here, over here. Um, this was meant to be a 30 second comment. I'm moving Sorry. on. Okay. So um, when Dante gets up to the circle and sees the birds that are worshiping, um, he also sees a pretty lady 
Does anyone know who this pretty lady is? You remember this? Ain't that Beatrice? It is not. It is Matilda or Matilda. As apparently you can translate it either way. There's another pretty lady and she's just up here. She is up there picking flowers and um, she is walking around um, this terrestrial paradise. Dante goes on and on about how pretty she is, but you know, that's weird. So I'll just, as a Dante, we've been through the circle of lust, buddy. I was going to say, he, he knows better than this step, at this point. Step it back. Step down. So uh, a fair lady sunning in the rays of love. If I should trust those semblances that lend the truest testimony of the heart, may you incline your will to walk along close to the river here, like to get closer to him. Uh, he says that ostensibly it's so he can hear her sing, but uh, he, he thinks she's real pretty, so he wants her to walk closer to him. I feel like he's got the same feelings about this woman that I have towards... Uh, what's that woman that's saying, uh, come away with me? What's her name? Hmm. Wait, oh, she's famous. I'll look it up. I, he, Nora Jones? Yeah! <laughs> if oh, I she, saw is Nora Jones... Is that what you're... Yeah, if okay. I had a huge crush on her when I was young in high school, oh. I feel like I'd get her to like walk along a river and sing songs to me, yeah. I'd be super That'd happy. be your like, perfect... Yeah, so that would be your terrestrial paradise. So that's yeah. what Dante's going on has going on right here. Uh, he, and then you think he's going to like move on to the conversation, but no, he just keeps talking about how pretty she is. Um, and in my prayers, she contented me coming so close that I could understand the lyrics of her lilting melody. So she comes close to sing her song, which is great. Dante has some questions about like, what, what, where is he? Which I think is like the majority of his questions throughout uh, his time here. And Matilda's answer is, um, I'll read this. The highest good pleased in itself alone made man good. And for good gave him this place as an earnest of eternal peace. By his own fault, man did not dwell here long. By his own fault, he took up grief and toil, pawning his honest laughter in sweet play. So this is the Garden of Eden where they are. They don't they don't actually call it that, if I'm remembering correctly. So they'll call it earthly paradise, terrestrial paradise, but not Garden of Eden um, as they go through this. But very clearly, that's, that's what it's talking about. Um, this place was meant as... When it says an earnest of eternal peace, an earnest is a thing intended or regarded as a sign or promise of what is to come. So this was supposed to be the sign of the peace that was to come later. That man was made to enjoy this beautiful place, this beautiful um, nature and design of things, but instead rejected it and chose instead grief and toil over these things, which is mm. super bummer. Uh, running through this place are two rivers. Uh, so they'll talk about garden of eden's at the tigris and euphrates mm -hmm. right but apparently like what um the 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 river that flows into the tigris and euphrates ac according to dante are these two other rivers that graham has made reference to um one of them is the rather the river leth and one of them is the river you know you know a e-u-n-o-e you know a we'll go with you know a okay um the river leth what do you know about this river you it's it's it shows up in a lot of different myths and it's where you go and i think it shows up in the aeneid where yes. they're mm -hmm. exiting from hell and you if you're a soul and you've been in in sorry hades then and you're being reincarnated you need to forget everything you knew about your previous lives and the underworld and so you drink deep of leth and then head head back up and you're like a newborn cleanly wiped slate Totally. I, AJ, you did an episode recently that involved drinking from the river Leth right before they could, before people could be essentially reincarnated, right? Yeah. Was it the end of Plato? Was it? I can't remember if yeah. they did a, a mm -hmm. Leth drink in that mm -hmm. one. But they had to forget their past life to, they, their last action yeah. before they entered the new life was to pick their next life. But then they would forget everything and yep. go into that next life. And, and so Dante's picking up, uh, you know, a classical image of the river Leth. Mm -hmm. um, do you all have any associations with this river? Is this a, 
yeah, who is it for? Is this a punishment? Is this a reward? What is, what is like the feeling associated with the river Leth? I've never seen it as like a direct punishment, but it, it didn't seem like it's a good thing. I don't know. It all, it, to me, it, it sort of has this like, um, complacency is the wrong word. Yep. Um, it's got like this, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're going back and you're doing it all over again. You don't get to take any of the lessons you learned with you kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. I take it as a negative generally, mm-hmm. personally, it's a type of like annihilation, right? It's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the mm-hmm. end of whatever that, um, that person was before those memories are gone. Mm-hmm. That personality is gone. I've always taken it as as a type of, as a kind of negative. Do you I feel feel, I, but I feel it. Like, no, it's, accidentally delete the file. You're yeah, like, oh, right, crap, exactly. My right. save game. But to me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> to me, it's tightly tied to oblivion. And for yep. some oblivion is attractive. And so if I have Correct. lived a terrible life full of misery and, and I can obliterate all of that by simply drinking from a river, that's a really positive thing. Sure. And you can forget all of it, right? It's, it's no longer with you. The, the, the sadness is no longer there. Exactly. Right? I was actually thinking for, like, what if, when you mentioned the river, I was like, what would it be like if my shower water was leth, leth water? Yeah. And so every morning I just totally, I started clean, clean right. slate, and then had... You'd be a terrible teacher. Oh, yeah. It was just <laughs> awful. What are we doing today, Mr. Hanenberg? Uh, Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I will, so I have the, I have the more negative connotations tied to the river leth. Dante reinterprets it a little bit, and so I'll, I'll read from him here. Um, for... This is Matilda speaking, I believe. For on this side, the stream descends with power to take away all memory of sin. But on the other side, it will restore all memory of good deeds. Hence, this is called leth, forgetfulness, and that, you know, a good memories, which it will not bring unless you taste of leth first. And yet its taste surpasses all. So leth here is not only taking, it's not uh, taking away all memory. It's taking away memory of sin. So leth is the removal of the bad stuff. You know, a is the restoration of the good stuff. So you, you will only enter into paradise with good memory as you go forward. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. it's like a targeted left. It is exactly. That's so it's nice. not just a, it's not a total oblivion, which is the more traditional, mm-hmm. like it's like of, that little bleep recorder in uh, men in black. Oh, mm. <laughs> Zoink, aliens are gone. Is that the, like the little metal pen looking thing? Yeah. Yeah. Flashes? Flashes yeah, yeah. And um, yes. Exactly. Like memory's that. gone. Yeah. Uh, or what was that movie? Um, eternal sunshine on the spotless mind. Yeah. You, you pick which oh, things yeah. are, are removed. Um, yes. And, and so that's, again, Dante paints this as a good thing. We'll learn more about the effect of the river Leth as we go, but um, that's just an interesting. So to pass into paradise, all souls must pass through these two rivers. One to forget the bad they did, one to restore the memory of, uh, and, and to only have memory of the good things that they did in life. Good memories is what you know a means from the. So there's this Greek. period where they're in oblivion partway between the two of them? Yeah, we'll actually get to see that later. Oh, cool. Um, where we have a. Dante. Is it just like a big blank page and then you flip the page and. It's not. It, it, it ends up not being like a total. I expected that. I expected Dante to like have this moment of like, who is Beatrice? Like, mm-hmm. where am I? What's going on? It becomes more of like a, um, a disassociation where Dante is aware that like someone in the past, like forgot his love to be to Beatrice, but he forgets that it's him. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's the separation of the sin from the person. Mm. Uh, but I, we'll get to that. Um, I, I always say that and then we never do. So maybe this is all you'll hear about it. Sorry. It's part of the formula. It's his part. <laughs> I like the formula less and less as you describe it. Okay. So, um, yeah. Dante. Yeah. <laughs> you like it less and why less do, or why more do people? More? Yeah. Why do people listen to this? this? I don't even know. Please listen to us. Okay. So Matilda, uh, will 
go on to say so at this point yeah dante has a couple um people who are with him he has um uh virgil who's been with him the whole time and he also has a poet whose name is escaping me right now is it sapio oh, oh that guy he's still following him around yes so he's been with him the whole time um and so the three of them are passing along um into this terrestrial paradise all three of them are there together i don't have the name in front of me sorry all three of them are there but that plays into this this one line that i love and again if we had more well, i don't know I'll, I'll say it and then see if you all find it interesting if not we'll move on I think this ties in really well with um, a few episodes ago where we were talking about um, romanticism and kind of this looking toward the past. Uh, but this is Matilda speaking about this terrestrial paradise. Again, she's already said man was made for this place. This was this is what man longs for. This is what man should have experienced for all the days of their life and then gone to, you know, bliss was what Earth was supposed to be. And then like super bliss is what paradise was supposed to be or it is. But, you know. That's what the nat- uh, the nature of that's what man was supposed to experience going forward. But we sinned and we walked away from that. So Matilda says, the poets in their melodies of old may have dreamed on Parnassus of this spot, singing about the happy age of gold. For here the human race was innocent, forever spring and fruit upon the vine. This is the nectar which the poets meant. At that I turned around to look upon my poets the two poets he's with and i saw the and i saw that with a smile they'd greeted her last words and once again i turned my gaze upon the lovely girl weirdo dante um but the what he's saying here is that when people are talking about the golden age the happy age of gold is what he calls it here the place they're describing is the garden of eden there's an the thing that the poets long for in their poetry is an actual place um in purgatory in this case the terrestrial paradise they are having dreams and memories of a place that did exist and does exist now. Mm-hmm. And one day they will reach if they're on the path to paradise. I didn't know. I don't know if you tie that in with the romantics or the thing that they're look they, that they look for in the, in their past is actually a destination of theirs in the future. Yeah. I don't know. If I that's, mean, that's, that's sort of the error of the romantics yeah. is that mm-hmm. they, they are thinking that it's some sort of past thing that it's, um, some sort of thing that they had when they were younger. Now they don't have it, and it's, and it's a nostalgia, and they're longing for it. But yeah. the reality is, is that it is a a, a hunger for for this, the the place where they're supposed to be, which is earthly paradise. So they were made for this this place. So it is a nostalgia, but it's not a nostalgia for something they they've personally experienced. It's for something a nostalgia for something they they have yet to experience, but they were made for. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just think it, it but it makes it like takes away the tragedy in some way of the romantics, the thing that they long for, they will experience one day if they're on this path to paradise. Right. And that's, I don't know. I think that a lot through purgatory of the things Virgil is still with Dante at this point, human reason is capable of bringing a person to that earthly paradise. Yeah. In many ways, romanticism is just like, Acedia given a literary genre, sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, um, uh, it's just at some point you just sort of decide that you're going to wallow in the sadness and try to, and like dress it up and make it seem tragic and yeah. romantic. Hmm. But it's, you know, in the end, like it maybe sounds good on paper, yeah. but it's not no way to live. Yes. But maybe the, I'm thinking this, maybe you all disagree. Um, I'm thinking this earthly paradise in some way is possible right now if we take seriously our sin and overcoming our sin and we have communities of people who are trying to fight that sin to become better people i think i think that's what's meant by virgil following dante all the way up to this terrestrial paradise all the way up to this garden of eden Mm -hmm. like a good life is possible um here and now Mm -hmm. and if we do the work to approach that i think we can experience that here and now 
Um, and there, you know, obviously Dante's comedy doesn't end at purgatory. It goes on to paradise. So is there like a, not a self-help, but is there like a practical side of the purgatory where it's like, okay, for the next month, I'm really going to focus on my pride. Am I a proud person? And then I'm, I'm going to actually maybe even make my own little liturgy where I'm going to stare at the dust or I'm going, I don't know. What is it? I'm not going to make yes, eye contact with people th- or, or something like that, right? Like you, you, you purposefully give yourself a task a, uh, to do uh, over and over to try to um, kind of like what you do in Lent, right? Yes. Yeah. And you actually take, and again, that's, I think this is like early self-help in some way. So the example of the prideful having to um, remember stories of humility and they're forcing themselves with mm. the stone the stone isn't there just to like hurt their back. It's to focus their eyes on the stories in front of them so that they read them over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point of um, this book is to give examples of, um, I think Contrapasso, I think is the Italian, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's wrong, but it's, um, no, that's are, right. Is it? It's, it what, what you're looking for is <laughs> no, a, no, it's right. You know, I, that, I yeah. talk about the Contrapasso oh, in the <laughs> Inferno. <laughs> I this is like, yes, no, it's your, I, I would trust AJ on the Italian. Spot yeah. on and good yeah. pronunciation. But, um, oh, pronunciation, I'm not sure, but it's the right word. <laughs> but the correction is supposed to mirror the, the problem. And so, I, again, I just, just to say that, mm. I think there's something really power, powerful to that of thinking through where is their pride in my life? Where is their envy in my life? Where is their greed in my life? Sloth, you know, go through the rest of the list. Um, and again, to say, Virgil has traveled with Dante this entire way. This isn't only for Christians. This is for anyone who wants to live as good a life as earth can offer terrestrial paradise is through conquering these different categories of sin as a religious word, but vices would be a mm-hmm. more classical word. Right. Mm. I, I, I don't know. That's just something I've, I've, I have bouncing around my head as we enter into this. So how do you paradise. square this with the more Protestant bent of like salvation is through the act of faith, not through works. I think that's true. And again, everyone who's in purgatory is saved. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. They will eventually get to paradise. But why do they got to work? Because they're not ready for it yet. So um, God who is holy cannot be around unholy. It's like those weird stories in the Old Testament about like the ark, you know, destroying people who mm-hmm. come near it or touch it. It's mm-hmm. because God who is all holy being near um, the not perfect. Um, but if I'm clothed in Christ's righteousness... Yep. Then how come I don't just like get to skip the mountain? Yeah. Again, again, this is, will be Dante's answer. Uh, you two are the ones who might believe in an, a real, an actual purgatory. Um, Christ's sacrifice is what got them on the mountain in the first mm-hmm. place. They don't deserve to be here. And this is, these were some of the stories early on in the purgatory where like, I don't remember the exact example, but it's in the anti anti purgatory. Someone who's like, um, has like this kind of bloodlust, like really want, you know, le- wants to kill people. And their last words upon their lips are uh, upon their lips are um, Mary save me, and that's what gets them into purgatory. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like these aren't we do have pious people. We'll meet more of them in the Paradiso, but the amount of faith necessary to enter purgatory is like a mustard seed. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a very small amount that's necessary to get them here. Right. Um, so just to say, again, I've said I've repeated this every time because I think it's important. Purgatory is the one part of the the comedy that happens on earth. Mm-hmm. And so I think it has something to say to us in this life, no matter what you believe about um, what happens after this life. And just to, and my final th- thing on this before moving on, what brought me to reading the divine comedy is Rod Dreher's book, how Dante can mm-hmm. save your life. And in that book, he's following his life story as he's reading Dante's uh, comedy. Right. So the Inferno matches with a dark period in his life. The Purgatorio matches with an improvement in his life. And a Paradiso is 
at some point we should arrive somewhere at some point our lives should move toward a destination right. of a writing life for the to. american conservative being a successful <laughs> yeah, sure. blogger yeah but like the life you want to to lead you should get there eventually and then enjoy that life you know what i mean like mm-hmm. that's what living in small town yeah. louisiana yes and so these are, <laughs> and maybe these are all like more metaphorical ways of reading this book but just to say there's something bigger happening here than just here are the levels that dante goes yeah, to yeah. Right. it's this is how our life can be this is how we need to face um, evils in our life. We need to see um, depravity in the inferno. We need to overcome those in the purgatorio, and then we need to live a better life, the paradiso. But I mean, I was thinking about this on the which was the level where everyone has to go jogging. Uh, sloth. So I was thinking about this when we had that episode, <laughs> and I actually bought a pair of running shoes because my rolled yeah. running shoes had a hole in them, and I'd just been avoiding buying new ones because yeah. once I do, then you got to start running. And I was like, <laughs> I gotta just buy that work that expenditure. I know. So then I got these shoes and, uh, and I've actually been thinking like, okay, not only is this going to be healthy just for like, you know, get your heart pumping, but it does it actually have this spiritual benefit yes. is like physical exercise, a spiritual remedy for sloth. Yes. I don't know about sloth specifically, but people talk about this as this is why you set small goals mm-hmm. because small wins set up your next win. Yeah. Right. So your ability to, uh, you know, w- um, even walk for one mile every day sets you up to eat better. Right. Mm-hmm. You knowing that you have control over one part of your life sets you up for control over. Well, what's an example of, of a, a, a story of humility that the pride of watching? Like if I was a if I was like a, just a big full of myself jerk bag and I was and I realized it. Uh, what is like a humble story to focus on? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to think. Are, like, are you how, thinking of like how to how to solve that? I'm just thinking about like if you wanted to set this up as like a practical. Okay, I am going to improve morally. I am going to improve in virtue, and I'm going to use the uh, purgatory as a guide. What would you do on your like your, you know your pride widget? Canto twelve would be your go to. Mm-hmm. So. I won't go through all of them because I think there are 12 examples in here. Um, but from the examples, can you derive like a, a type? Like, can you derive the token or if they're the token, can you uh, derive like? Um, so most of them are, most of them are um, Greek examples mm-hmm. and all these are warnings so far. I'll mm-hmm. just read it. You all will know more about these than I do. Uh, Mark Briarius lying on the earth, massive stuck through with a celestial lance and on the far side in the chill of death. So uh, uh, an example of pride being punished. Mark Aries and Apollo still in arms. Mark Pallas standing all about their father, gazing upon the giant scattered limbs. Mark Nimrod at the foot of the great tower, bewildered, mm-hmm. gazing with the men who shared his arrogance in the Valley of Shinar. So people who are like ambitious and prideful who got like hosed. destroyed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, so they look upon, this is what, um, I, yeah, this, uh, at the end of Screw Tape Letters, Lewis has this thing about how he he thinks that sins in the future will be like more smaller sins, whereas like sins in the past were like bigger sins. I'm not stating this well, but here it's like all these horrible old examples are big examples of pride. But the people have to realize the thing they're doing leads to the same destruction, right? Mm-hmm. They they just weren't brave enough to go the full way as these other characters did. Gotcha. Right, but they were walking along the same path. So like reading King Lear. Yeah, sure. Okay. Right. Um, cool. As warnings, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that would be, if you're taking it the self-help direction or the like, what is the practical takeaway? That's the practical takeaway. Each of these steps tells you what to do in response to these sins. Mm. Do that, right? Try it for a month and see if I'm focused on how pride has destroyed people. Again, like if your news consumption is mostly about like um, self-important tech billionaires, like, you know, doing their own thing and being prideful, you're probably going to be more prideful, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's your obvious statement for the day. If you spend a month focused on thinking about how 
um, uh, pride cometh before a fall, where you focus on prideful people who um, are punished for that behavior, you will be different at the end of that time, right? Do you agree with that? I do. Okay. Interesting. So I think that's a, I'm preempting like, you know, where I post empting because that well, I'm already past the seven circles, but I feel like I'm deriving a, like a course in my own brain, like a curriculum in my own head. I think there should be. I thought this with, um, the ladder of heaven. Um, what book is that from? It's one of the old, um, mystics, but I, I think there's a, a way where these things just need to be adapted to a modern, mm-hmm. um, audience. And I think would be very useful. These we're going to be millionaires. Yeah. I don't know about that, but like these, <laughs> um, these old books were very structured in their approach to how to overcome sin. And so instead of like a, the answers were not wishy-washy, I guess is what I'm saying. Dante would say, if you struggle with gluttony, you need to fast. If you struggle with sloth, you need activity to motivate. His example is running. You need something to motivate love inside yourself. Um, anyway, it's, it's, I just, I find this an eminently practical book. So you were going to say something. Well, I was just thinking like, I've thought about, you know, you hear these stories about how these old pilgrimages come to be, right? So the pilgrimage to Canterbury to see where Thomas Beckett was murdered. Um, I thought about how uh, this happened, I think it was like in 2015 or 16, somebody in a small Texas town shot a bunch of people in the church, mm. that small church. Do you remember mm. where like that was, east San, of Austin? The San Antonio one? Uh, I don't know if it was in San Antonio. It was just, it was east of here, southeast of here. So it was just outside San Antonio, and it was, you know, somebody with a, a dark heart and mind. Huh? That, uh, West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement? Does that sound right? I don't know. I okay. can't remember it. But I, I, I thought to myself, like, I Sutherland wonder... Springs? Yeah, that yeah. was probably it. Yeah. I've often wondered to myself, like, are these little, like... What? Because it's about what a seven mile, seven miles from Austin, something like that. Well, how that you could turn that that could very easily be, uh, uh, you know, you walk from Austin to that church and have that be like a contemplative time where you're sure. thinking about sort of violence and faith and 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 sure. uh, another modern expression, another modern you know example of something that used to happen very naturally a thousand years ago. Sure. Um, I think people just like anyway, but most people need that set up for them. But the pilgrimage has happened because someone started it. But that's why um, this is apparently we're just going to reference the Lindy effect every episode we do. Mm-hmm. For some, at some level, people go on these pilgrimages because for the last hundred years they have someone out. Yeah, yeah. So yes, it started at some point, but I think the same thing needs to happen now. Someone needs to start those pilgrimages to say what you just did. Yeah. Here's the destination. Here's what to think about on the time even bringing groups of people together because these mm-hmm. pilgrimages happened with groups of people, right? Mm-hmm. They, these weren't like, sometimes they were solo, but not always. Let me, anything else, AJ, before? I'm just thinking about your, what, what's the solution to pride? I think there's a bunch of different ones. Sure. If you need to move on, we can move no, on. You can say something. I'm trying to look up because this, uh, Evagrius talked about this, yep. right? When he talked about the seven deadly sins and his solution was you need to, because rec- he was talking to monks was you need to recall your older life. Think about what kind of a dirt bag you were. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking like, if you need to solve your pride, maybe contemplating number one, your position in the universe, what can you do? What can you not do? And what kind of virtues do you see in people that you typically view as lesser than you? Mm-hmm. And also ask your friends what flaws you have. Yeah. If you're a prideful person, they will know them and they'll tell you yeah. if you are really wanting to beat pride, asking your friends what your problems are is a real good way to start. Yeah. In the Middle Ages, fairies were supposed to help you out because they were supposed to humiliate you. What? <laughs> like when you're drinking water, they're supposed to like tip it so you spill it all over yourself. and So you wouldn't be so prideful. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, so this is, no, this is great. Uh, I will keep trucking along to get onto the second 
of our six canto for the day. They, <laughs> <laughs> we're 30 minutes in and I've made it through one sixth. So we're No, this is great. This, uh, the rest of this will not be as practical as what we just covered. So most of the rest of this will be just trying to understand what the heck is happening. Uh, canto 29. Um, um, you know, because I'm, uh, a millennial, I'm now using Rome research for my like note taking tool. Have you ever used this before? Anyway, my, my number, my top sentence on this is this is where things get weird. Mm. So, um, buckle up, I guess, as you all say. Okay. So Dante is in this terrestrial paradise. He's hanging out with Matilda. He hears people singing, which is normal. And then out of nowhere, he hears a new sweet melody, uh, rippling through the light filled air. And this melody makes him remember how much he uh, reprehends the bold pride of uh, the bold proud sin of Eve. So suddenly is brought to mind how much he hates that Eve took a bite of the fruit. So that that happens. Suddenly a he hears a, a that that same melody that reminded him of how much he hated that sin gets louder and louder, and it makes the air glow under the green limbs of a tree like a bonfire set ablaze. So he starts seeing these like weird images of this tree with this fire under it. He looks out, he sees seven golden trees that aren't actually trees. It turns out that they're candelabra. He thinks the candelabra are singing. Turns out it's actually a different choir that's singing instead of this candelabra. Um, Dante in the middle of this is like, what is going on? He's like, just very confused of what's happening. He looks to Virgil. Virgil has no words. He just also like Dante looks stunned. Um, Behind these candelabra are these crowds of people following after them. They're following after the lights. He then sees a rainbow that goes above the candelabra and under that rainbow are 24 elders that are walking two by two after the elders he sees four living things pass by and they're crowned by green fronds um and these four living things i think are also six-winged angels six-winged angels are somewhere in this parade as we go where they cover the eyes cover the feet that kind of thing i i don't think it says that specifically but he does reference is that the ezekiel account of angels Mm -hmm. he does reference ezekiel specifically with like rings and wheels and all sorts of crazy so there is a chariot being pulled but not like the not the angel with the wheel or whatever Mm. um so um, these four living things pass by. Then a Griffin passes by and the Griffin is drawing a chariot. And then there are three ladies dancing on the right of the chariot. There are four ladies dancing on the left of the chariot. Then there are two old men. Then there are four men. And then there's a sleeping man. And then everyone stops walking. And that's the end of it. That's Canto 29. Sounds um, like a party my house through back in college. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've probably seen this stuff before. Chariots so. and a couple old guys and yeah. dancing girls. Dance. Yeah. yeah totally normal. Pretty crazy. Doing wings. Um, this one's pretty, some, yeah, some guy with six wings on him. Yeah, is that not normal? This one's pretty straightforward, so I'm not going to say much more about it. So I'm um, just joking. Okay, so um, w- d- hearing all of that, does anything come to mind with all those like weird images that are happening in this canto? I mean, it's evocative of like all the images of the temple throne room yes. that you get in like Isaiah mm-hmm. and Ezekiel and revelation you have like candle you know these this you know these candlesticks representing these candelabra representing the seven original churches all that kind of stuff exactly yeah um so i will be drawing heavily from uh dr esselin again the translator of this version of the purgatory as we go um he the summary of what just happened is a a history of divine revelation so we start with eve that's the thing that the memory that kicks off all of these things happening mm-hmm. and we end with a sleeping man. Does anyone want to, does it, John, John Patmos. Yeah, exactly. So John who wrote the revelation, um, uh, is an, is often portrayed as he's an old dude is, is the like, um, uh, what, what's the right way to say that's traditionally when we think that he had the revelation, mm-hmm. I guess is to say, and it came to him as a dream, right? So that's who is bringing up the rear of this parade. So we go from the beginning to cool. the very end of, 
um, revelation as a um, over the course of this canto. I won't go through all of the images because there are lots of them, but starting with these are essentially saints moving into heaven is what we're seeing right here. Um, and the images of the elders are tying together some Old Testament imagery with some revelation imagery. Uh, Esalen interprets these four living things as the four gospels. So they are, um, they're glorious, they're crowned, they um, are passing on that glory. The griffin that comes with them, this was a weird one to me. What is a griffin? It's like a lion. It's a, a griffin, I believe, is lion body, eagle head, and wings. Yeah. Um, and so apparently this is like a traditional image. Can, can you all think of anyone else who has like two different natures that are like tied together? But Christ. Yeah. So um, instead of, you know, Aslan, instead of a straight up lion, we get cool. Jesus Griffin. I know that. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, I mean, Wikipedia tells me this is a traditional image. So whatever. Isn't one of the, wait, aren't there also animals associated with the four gospels? Yes. And is the Griffin one of them? Um, John's the man. Is, yes. Uh, one's an ox. Actually, One's a bird. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. If you care enough about this, I can read your, read the footnotes from here. I'll try and look that up in a second. But the the griffin is an image of Christ, that there are two hmm. different natures that are tied together here. The nature of, or two different animals, rather. It's um, lion and eagle, right, are brought together. So this griffin is, um, is both, but somehow neither. Uh, is like fully eagle, fully lion, but somehow more than that. Um, so that's the... That's why there's a griffin who shows up randomly here. Even the description of this griffin makes that clearer. Um, uh, the, um, all of his limbs that were a bird's were gold. The rest were white, stained with the red of blood. Um, so, you know. That gives it away. Yeah, yeah a, a little bit. <laughs> there's a quote later that like literally gives it away even further. But anyway, that's what the griffin is. These three ladies that are dancing are the theological virtues. Faith, faith hope, hope, and love. Yeah, faith, hope, and love or charity, depending on how you want to hmm. uh, interpret that. They go through the colors, which I didn't list for you, but that's kind of the giveaway. Faith, white, hope, green, charity, red, love, red, whatever. Um, the f- Which, if those three ladies are the theological Wisdom, virtues. Wisdom, justice, courage, yeah, temperance. The other four ladies are uh, the cardinal virtues. Nailed it. Um, yeah, exactly. Though apparently one of them has three eyes, so whatever that's about. Prudence. Prudence has three eyes for some reason. This is a weird canto of what huh, I'm trying to say. Interesting. The third eye. <laughs> wisdom. Open up your third Inner eye. eye. Um, the two old men are St. Luke and St. Paul. The four men are Peter, James, John, and Jude, author of short letters in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And the old man is St. John. So Cool. You can read more about this if you want to. Essentially, Dante has this like insane vision which is in line with like revelation. Mm-hmm. It feels like as you're, as you're reading it, but it's all the greatest hits. He greatest gets like, hits the, he yes. gets the med- med- medley. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> That's actually a good way of putting it. It's the remastered for 2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, tell me about it or 13, whatever. When, anyway. 13. Yeah. What year. was it? 1350, 1330. You tell me, I don't know, man. 1300. I think it was 1300. You think I would know this stuff, but anyway, so, uh, that happens. That's Canto 29. So all that happens. And I'm very thankful to be reading a book with great footnotes as I go through it. Cause otherwise this makes no sense. And I guess you all who have read the Paradiso is the Paradiso like that of just like lots of imagery. I read it once in undergrad. Do you remember it? I just remember a giant flower at the end. Okay. I read the first third and got bored. Okay. That's what I'm worried that if, if Paradiso is like <laughs> so these sorry. last like five or six Canto, I don't think I'll be able to do it. Yeah. It's just like, it gets weird and it just gets hard to read. So maybe I'm just a boring person. I remember that there's a lot of like sacred geometry. Like Mm. everything's a triangle or a square or a cross shape or there's just lots of speaking points of light and very few people. Yeah. That's a, he, he, 
in throughout purgatory he has these maybe this is in the inferno also he has all these references to time and like where the planets are in relation to where he is and i always just kind of like skip over those parts or like i read them but i'm like don't know what that means um but when he's in paradise it's like literally he's in space right Mm -hmm. like literally planet to planet so i don't know if i would understand it whatever one day okay so purgatorio canto 30 is what happens next in 29 uh, we just finished 29 we move on to 30 30 is where we finally meet beatrice so beatrice finally shows up on the scene um beatrice is the uh, she like kicked off this whole thing mm-hmm. right and so in um he's wandering in the woods you know back in canto one of the inferno and then does beatrice summon him essentially to go on this journey what's the how does where does beatrice show up before this point she there's a trio of heavenly ladies and and beatrice specifically goes to find virgil and says hey you got to help about my buddy dante he's lost and he's having problems because dante finds himself in the forest on his own volition he's not like in italy having a good time and she is like hey let's take a tour through hell he's lost he's trying to get up the mountain to see god and he can't and he's having problems and there are these three animals and so that's how she starts it is she sends virgil as kind of a guide to help him on his journey yes is and i guess lucy or lucia lucia is one of the other three yeah and um, then i think mary right is that the third probably uh, that sounds right isn't it matilda no not matilda i don't, I don't think, think it's matilda. matilda i'll check yeah and yeah matilda won't even be named until the very last canto here so we just we only know her name by anyway she shows up five cantos before she's even named so it's kind of weird okay so beatrice appears uh, yeah it's mary yeah um and dante is overwhelmed by this uh, then my soul that had passed so long a time since it had felt the crushing glory of her presence and had trembled mute with awe knowing more than my eyes could truly prove by motion of her secret power unseen felt the great might of all its ancient love so he sees her and um he's overwhelmed by this he's um it's been so long since he had seen her right um he, so she was a cute italian who died young right yes, he saw and, her like coming out of church one day yes so that's that's Beatrice, the real person. Mm-hmm. I guess also in the context here, he, I'll actually get to that in a second sure. um, where he'll go into a little more detail of, of all that. So, but someone that he has loved for a very long time um, who was trying to point him to God uh, mm. is I guess enough to know for right now. Um, so Dante looking at Beatrice is like so overwhelmed in her presence that he has to break out into poetry and he tries to do that. And this happens. Um, I turned left as a little child will do wide eyed and running over to his mama when he's afraid of something or he's hurt to say to Virgil. So he's turning left. He wants to say to Virgil, not a drop of blood runs in my veins. That isn't trembling. Now I know the traces of the ancient flame. It's a quote from the Aeneid. He wants to turn to Virgil to quote the Aeneid to Virgil. (laughs) Um, But Virgil had a pretty, that's a bold play, bold play, right? (laughs) It's kind of sweet though. He wants to like quote, I don't know. It's like one of y'all wanted to quote it back to me. One of my quotes from a previous podcast. I'd be yeah. Like, yeah. Dope. But that'll never happen. Um, but Virgil had deprived us of his light. Virgil, the sweetest father, Virgil, he in whom I trusted that I might be healed. Um, and he goes on from here. Uh, but Virgil had deprived us of his light. Uh, Virgil is no longer there. Virgil has disappeared. He has returned to, uh, they don't say this, but we assume um, uh, returned to um, limbo, right? Where he'll. So he's not there. He's not there anymore. So he is Aww. not. Um, so he was, he, he made it through 29 cantos and then 30 is where he has disappeared. Somewhere. Did he even get to say goodbye? He did not get to say good. Well, his goodbye. I read at the end of our mm. last episode, which, um, uh, you know, I'm sure everyone remembers perfectly, but it's like a beautiful, it's the perfect thing for him to have said goodbye to. Uh, maybe I'll read it later. I don't know, go back and listen to the other episode. He gives this like um, rousing speech to Dante where he tells Dante to trust in his judgment now that it's been purged of its vices. Hmm. Um, it's a very good talk, a very good um, 
final word that he gives him. Okay. So then, so Beatrice shows up. Um, what would you expect like her first words to be to Dante? So like, you know, you did it right. Uh, so, yeah. So like an excitement. That made it this far. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually Carol. way older. Yeah, yeah. Like embarrassment at that. Been doing it for the past few days there, Bucko. <laughs> it's been a, been a rough Sleeping couple. Sleeping on the mountain. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> this is your fault. Um, uh, so, and, and I don't, you know, maybe you would expect uh, some kind of sweet moment between the two of them. Um, maybe depending on what you think of the love between Beatrice and Dante, you might expect it to be some kind of romantic, you know, embrace, kiss, whatever. This is Beatrice's first words to Dante. So it's in response to Virgil having disappeared. Dante, because Virgil has gone away, do not weep now. Now is not the time to weep. Another sword must make you cry today. Oh, <laughs> that's Beatrice. Those are Beatrice's first words. He's like, "Hey, girl." She's like, "You about to get stabbed, <laughs> yeah, bro?" Yeah, this <laughs> sword will sting. Uh, uh, look at me, well, I'm Beatrice. I am she. How did you deign to come upon the hill? Didn't you know that man is happy here? And then she goes on from there. But it is not a romantic or like uh, what's another word I'm looking for? It's not like a sweet um, uh, time for them to like come back together. So she is like calling him out immediately because. Dante has a sin that he has not fully repented mm. of yet. Um, Idolatry. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, let, let's go into it. So he cries when seeing her, he has a shame, right? We'll either get to a sin now or in the next Canto. Um, um, I guess I might just, I will wrap up the, well, I'll get into it. So Dante, uh, Beatrice is like talking about Dante. Dante should have been, um, both great in terms of his skill, but should have been a great moral person. Um, this man was so disposed in his new life that every natural habit turned to good should have been to wondrous proof in him. So, um, if Dante had turned toward the good, he would have seen wonderful fruit from um, going in that good direction. Hmm. But when bad seed is sown in a rich field or when earth full of vigor lies untilled, the thornier and more harmful is its yield. So there's a, there's a, a thorniness that has grown up inside of Dante. Um, I guess I'll, th- this answers your question, Graham, from before of their relationship. This is Beatrice talking for a time. I sustained him Dante with my sight showing to him my youthful eyes. I led him and turned him with me toward the true and right. But once I stood upon the threshold of my second age, exchanging life for life, he took himself from me and gave his love to someone else. So when she died, Dante um, stopped following the good. He stopped um, uh, looking to God. From flesh to spirit, I, Beatrice, rose and found less favor in his eyes, although I'd grown more beautiful and virtuous. He turned his steps along a way not true, pursuing the false images of good, which promise all and never follow through. To no avail did I beseech the Lord for inspiration, calling him in dreams, and when he woke, so little did he care. So low he'd fallen that then that every means to heal his soul had been cut short except to show him the lost people. And for this I visited the portals of the dead. So for this I sent um, I went to hell, right? And to the one who led him up this hill I offered my entreaties as I wept. Broken would be God's will, his high decree, should he pass less water and partake of its sweet drink before he paid the fee of tears that flow for penitence's sake. So Beatrice did everything she could in life to direct Dante to God as soon as soon as, as, soon as she died, which she died young, that's implied in this second mm-hmm. year. He lost that path. He, so, so she's chastising him for like losing, for basically wasting his time, wasting his, his, his powers in frivolous and things that end up being thorns and yes. got him lost. Yes. That turned him away mm. from God. That's 
AJ, you just said that Dante brought himself to the dark wood in the beginning. Right. Um, and that's what Beatrice is saying here also that's convicting. Yes. That, uh, Beatrice did everything she could, but ultimately Dante had to make that choice for himself of whether he would go after what was good. He chose not to, and he wasn't satisfied in that. He, um, uh, it, it resulted in thorns. It resulted in pain. Mm. So he had to overcome that pain, which required him going to see the lost people. It required him to see the damned. Yeah. If he followed that path, where would it go? And it was the inferno. That's mm. what he had. He had to be faced with. This is what will happen to you if you stay on this path. And I think that's the, yeah, again, the importance of seeing um, these hor- these uh, negative examples, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he needs a warning of that kind. Well, I mean, you know what they say. What's that? Ultimately, the best option still isn't perfect. And all we can aim for is the best possible option for a particular person, given their unique situation and preferences. That sounds like a pretty wise saying. Who are you quoting there? Oh, right there. I'm quoting uh, Thomas Magby in one of his most recent (sighs) newsletters. Oh, I I feel like that. I feel enlightened. I feel enlightened, too. Um, (laughs) i a little taller for the rest of this one. If anyone wants to um, be subscribed to my newsletter, you can email the guys at classicalstock.net. I'll add you to that. It really is delightful. I love reading it every time it comes in. Uh, Just like Virgil. (laughs) I don't know about that. That seems like a stretch. Um, okay, leading so, us through the hell of our like our <laughs> financial, financial, yeah. <laughs> financial quagmire, leading you through the hell of Bitcoin. I think <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bitcoin All hit a new high, high today. All time high. <laughs> okay, um, let me uh, keep on going. We have three more cantos, canty to get through. Uh, th- these will probably be quick because you know they've been weird and they get weirder. Um, so Canto thirty one is where uh, Dante does admit his sin of forgetting his love for Beatrice. So again, his love for Beatrice pointed him toward god that's what beatrice said at the end of canto 30 him forgetting his love for beatrice also led to him forgetting his love for god so he now has to have this um it's almost like an, it's another salvation experience i mean he has to remember that first love um uh, one of you all referenced before kind of this apocalyptic imagery and that's a line that's a part of revelation uh, one of the churches had forgot its first love um and so dante has to remember that he has to um come back under like a kind of submission almost to beatrice or rather under submission to love um, of um, being pulled towards something greater than himself. Um, then Beatrice calls him out and says that he should have known better because he was old enough to make these choices for himself. Dante feels more shame, but ultimately has this um, moment of he realizes he was wrong and he, I guess, falls back in love with every time I say in love, it's the wrong mm-hmm. connotation, but um it is, it is a love, but it's not a romantic love, maybe is what I'm trying to say. Um, it's, it's akin to when Paul says, if you can't, if you can't be Christ, fall, you know, uh, imitate me. Yeah. Uh, but not, I don't know. It, it, it's got that sort of, um, yeah, if God is, I don't know. I, I always find the Dante Beatrice thing to be really hard to... It's complicated. To, yeah, it's really complicated. Because it, it is a chaste love between mm-hmm. them is maybe the thing that's necessary to say and it's a different uh, we talked about this at, uh, on our valentine's episode a while ago it is a different type of love than dante had to his wife mm-hmm. um because beatrice was not a real person to him mm-hmm. right she become she becomes an idealized form yeah, of love she's and, symbol. She's, and she's idealized here too mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just i'll read this part um this is beatrice talking you on the far side of the sacred stream talking to dante um, so great an accusation should be met by your confession. Is this true then? Say, and then I'll skip down. Um, um, confusion and fear at once force something like a yes out of my mouth. You'd need your eyes to help you make it out. So it's so quiet a response. You could just barely, barely hear his, uh, barely see his lips saying it. You couldn't even hear him say it. Um, 
he goes on uh, weeping. I said, uh, things of the passing day, when once your face was hidden from my sight, their lying pleasures turned my steps away. He admits to um, forgetting Beatrice, forgetting, um, yeah, forgetting her, not, not, not loving her the way he should have. Um, this is a, a, a type of restorative moment for him. It allows him to go to this next step in purgatory, which is, um, oh, which is the river Leth. That's the next thing that happens. So he admits to his sin and is like so overcome that he does what Dante does best. What does Dante do when he gets like super overwhelmed? He passes out. He passes out. And when he wakes up, he is in the river Leth, which I, I, I think is kind of insane. How did I get here? Yeah, I mean, honestly though, um, and, <laughs> the worst uh, camping trip. Yeah. And when we wake up, you're like, like, Oh, where am I? I'm on a river. Um, so he wakes up. <laughs> I don't remember anything. <laughs> this is how he wakes up. Just imagine this. She led me in the stream up to the throat. <laughs> so he wakes up and he's, uh, you know, fully submerged in water. Um, and then he has this like very kind thing, but see if you have the same reaction I did. The lovely lady Matilda opened her arms wide, holding my head between them in embrace. She plunged me in the water so far down. I had to drink. Mm, interesting. She like drowns him. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's anyway, whatever. Is Beatrice a bully? Matilda does like the follow me. Yeah, exactly. Dunk. And then tosses him in. So it's like, a, it, give me your lunch money. It's like, pretty clearly a baptismal image going on here. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it then says when I had been washed clean, she sent me to the dance of the four beauties. So then that's again to the four cardinal virtues. Um, so he's able to be in the company of the virtues for having forgotten his past sins. Uh, there's more to be said here. Dante spends a lot of time talking about how pretty Beatrice's eyes are, which you might expect, but by looking in Beatrice's eyes, it's not just that they pretty it's that when he looks in them, he sees the reflection of the Griffin. So it's not just the, the love he has for Beatrice. Again, this is what makes it hard to talk about the love. It's not just for Beatrice. It's for, it's for what Beatrice points to, which is in this case, Christ, who is just a reminder, a Griffin at this moment. Um, there's more to be said, but I will leave it there. Um, in Canto 32, uh, I will breeze through these last two cause they're kind of weird as I guess all of these have been, um, in Canto 32, there is a dead tree at the top or in this terrestrial paradise, the Griffin restores this dead tree. Um, Dante takes a second nap because he's overwhelmed by literally everything around him. When he wakes up that whole like, um, parade thing we saw in Canto 29 is gone. They've all left. They've gone to paradise. Um, except for the, um, the thing, what was it? Um, it's not a carriage. What was the term I'm looking for? Chariot. The chariot that the Griffin had been, um, uh, rolling along. The chariot is still there. Um, okay. So recovered tree is there. Chariot is still there. And then this is the series of events that happen. Dante wakes up. He sees a giant Eagle swing down and attack that tree that the Griffin Christ had just restored. And then he sees a Fox jump into the chariot and then get shooed away by Matilda. He sees the Eagle drop feathers on the chariot He sees a dragon jump up from the ground beneath the chariot, tear off a piece of the chariot, and then go back down underground. And then he sees the chariot transform into a seven-headed beast. And atop this, you know, riding the seven-headed beast is, I don't want to say the actual word, it's a scantily clad lady. And And that's when the boss music starts. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. And then, uh, and a violent and controlling giant man uh, next to her. Uh, Are there any any of these images that stick out to you as like a thing you recognize? I'm wondering about the tree that, that the, the Griffin restored. Is that the tree of life? Yes. From the garden of Eden. Yes. Okay. Cause there's the tree of life and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And most people forget about the tree of life entirely. Life. Cause yeah. it just, I mean, that's the reason that he didn't want Adam and Eve coming back is because it would give them eternal life. It's so funny right? that you start with that one. That's the, that's so funny. Yes. But yes, that's the image there is that, that, that tree is restored right now is uh, accessible again. Right. I don't know why there's an eagle attacking it. Don't know that one. Um, 
I do sort of the the scantily clad lady. Is she the the lady the from Babylon? Babylon? Yeah, yes. the whore of Babylon is plus the the multi headed dragon. Isn't that also in the beast? So yeah. is the chariot Revelation like the church? And yes. The chariot is a king. Yeah, the church. Chariot so the, the church, church yeah. it gets torn into by the dragon and then and gets corrupted and turned into into a beast. the whore of Babylon. Yeah. Great. Well, um, the <laughs> real the Lady of Babylon is is on the beast, but gotcha. the the chariot again. The church transforms into the beast in this image. Just to run through them quickly, the eagle is uh, Rome. In um, oh, that makes sense. Again, the eagle to, of Rome. Uh, so Rome attacks. Um, uh, the tree of life, so the church, I guess, uh, not the church, um, the salvation that's possible through Christ, right? Um, Rome tries to attack that, but is ultimately unsuccessful. The tree is still standing afterwards. Yeah. Was he calling out the Pope on that one? Um, it, with the transformation of the, well, actually, yes. Um, I'll get to it. So um, the, the tree. tree still stands. The fox that jumps into the chariot is apparently the heresies of the early church. Don't know. There's probably imagery related to the fox. I don't know. <laughs> Until get out of here. Yeah. Um, the eagle Scram. then flies over the chariot, dropping feathers on it. Um, and that I think is the condemnation either of the Pope or the church. It's that there's this, they take a little bit of Rome. Yes. There's this, um, mm-hmm. this um, tying together of um, earthly city with church creates an evil beast creates the the seven right, 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 so that right, 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 right. that would be a condemnation of the okay. pope um Esselin interprets it as like uh the church desires too much earthly power and so it gets that earthly power mm-hmm. right but it corrupts the fundamental nature of the church to begin with mm-hmm. um the dragon is satan who's like tearing off pieces of the church um and the church is ultimately corrupted and it's led by bad people uh scantily clad lady and violent and controlling giant that's Canto 32. 33 is is the very end of uh, the Purgatorio and kind of a letdown. I guess you'll see in a second. Uh, what happens? Don't they kill the dragon? What nope. happens to it? So <laughs> just stomps around? It, it, it leaves is what happens. Uh, so, you know, the, um, the lady from Babylon uh, looks at Dante kind of suggestively and the giant like hits her because he's a bad person. Um, angrily cruel and suspecting all the giant. He loosed the monster, leading it so far into the woods that distance was my sole curtain against that strange beast and the lady. I don't want to say that. Anyway. Ooh, glad that's dealt with. Yeah, and then she just, and that, like, that's it. So it's they, gone. They just, like, walk Rah! away. Don't <laughs> worry about that anymore. Ah! That's literally that's the end of it. it. And so they don't kill it. So oh, that's that. easy. Yeah, I guess. It literally just walks away. So the, the boss escapes, I guess. Yeah. Phew. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like a, you will meet the boss in another yeah, right. another level. Ooh, but like stronger. Bowser is not in, is Bowser is <laughs> in another castle. <laughs> you have to go to another or no, one. the yeah. princess is in another castle, right? Isn't that it? Yeah, that is. So... Uh, Beatrice explains Canto 32 because it was also weird. It's all this stuff about the church's corruption and the um, church essentially marrying itself too much with mm. empire or mm. Rome or Babylon or whatever right. image you want to use. That'll never happen. <laughs> that feels like more of an in-between conversation. Anyway, <laughs> so that is what Beatrice talks about. She does also say that this, that the church will be restored though to that glory. Um, so um, at, at some time in the future, um, whatever this knot is that has tied it in with the eagle with Rome will be untied. And that is not, it will not always be that way. Um, she, so there is a hopeful ending at the end of this, I promise. Um, she goes on to literally go through every single one of the images uh, that we saw in 32 that I already told you. Um, this is the scene where Dante. So Beatrice brings up again that Dante forgot his love for Beatrice um, and Dante says, but I can't recall that I estranged myself from you before. No bite of conscience troubles me at all. So this is again, 
he he's able to talk about this thing that happened, but he has no association that he was the one who who did that wrong, who forgot mm. his love for Beatrice in the first place. Um, so that's what the river Leth does. It's not a total um, eradication of memory. It's kind of this, again, disassociation with the bad that one did. Uh, Dante approaches the river, you and he enters it and you expect a great description. And there is not one. Here is how the purgatorio ends. 136. My reader, if I had a longer space, I would keep singing, but the merest part of that sweet drink, I never could drink full. But because now the pages set upon the second canticles loom are all complete. The reign of art prevents my writing on from its most holy waters. I returned as remade as a new young plant appears renewed in every newly springing frond pure and in trim for mounting to the stars, hmm. which sets us up for Paradiso where he is in the stars themselves. He cool. um, goes to the planets. So mm-hmm. we get space travel Dante at some point in the future. If we, if I can stomach the Paradiso, but that is the Purgatorio. So sorry, these last six or whatever canto are really weird um but i do remember that it gets real strange i think when i first read it i was like well didn't understand any of that and then i just sort of finished yeah again this is where again the footnotes from dr eslin are super helpful and his end notes go into even further detail so again since this is my like last episode on purgatorio um translation by anthony eslin this is the modern library version of it It also has a really cool cover which you can see if you're on youtube but uh check it out it's a great book um Except for these last six canto being really weird. It's just super practical. It just clearly has something to say about what it is to become a better person and to uh, uh, attain to terrestrial paradise, to attain to um, the best possible life that we can live on Earth. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, they're mm. weird, but there's if you just sort of soak in them, and if they obviously are hearkening to the imagery in the Bible. So it's yes. so there is there there are things to derive from this kind of image casting that we don't as modern people do, but they did in antiquity. Sure. Um, uh, so anyway, it's an interesting I found, thing. Uh, I personally found these last six less helpful than the rest of the yeah, book, yeah. but mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Cool. Um, Cause you, you can get that imagery from scripture itself, yeah. right? You can read revelation. Yeah. Right. Well, this has been classical stuff. You should know. Uh, thank you for listening to this. Um, if you have any cool ideas about how to set up a Mount Purgatory moral improvement climb yourself, um, maybe you should know. also read Rod Dreher's book. I have, I've never read it, but I hear it's quite good. It's really good. And, um, but uh, yeah, and thank you for listening. You can email us at theguys at classicalstuff.net. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter at classicalstuffclssclstuff on the twits um you can patronize us on our patreon page and you can also find our episodes on classicalstuff.net as well as charming photos of the three of us <laughs> uh and that's about it so this is oh, oh sorry, can i say one last yes, thing you may. So, so um aj has included goofy titles for each of my purgatory episodes mm-hmm. this will come out during the first week of advent mm-hmm. can this be purgatory ho 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 can it be? We're yes. close enough to Christmas, right? It has okay, to. Okay, that's Absolutely. the one request I want yeah, to make. Sure. That's all. I just want to get that on um, yeah, record. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Great. Um, if cool. you guys ever want certain titles, to, you can well, just like just, send just me an email. I have to make wire. them up as I go. Gotta make them up. I've, I've helped you now. There you go. Have a blessed Advent as you await the coming of our Savior. Um, and thanks for listening. This is Graham, AJ, and Thomas signing off. Signing off. Bye. Bye.